to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Well, we're back on the floor of New York Comic Con uh, for four days in uh, October. It's a mosh pit of pop culture. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure to be with Bill Jimmis, the former publisher of Marvel Comics, but currently general manager of Double Take Comics. Um, we're going to find out all about Double Take and what they're doing here. Bill, welcome to More to Come. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're here in the middle of, uh, as I say, the mosh pit of popular culture. Um, tell us what Double Take is and what... Yeah, I there's a huge line of people here, and they're grabbing their graphic novels. Tell us how this all got started by telling us, what's Double Take? Uh, Double Take is a pretty new comic book company. Mm -hmm. We are part of the Take-Two Games empire. That includes Civilization and Grand Theft Auto sure, and Bioshock. Yeah, huge franchises. Right, and they asked, us, they asked me to come in and help them start up a graphic novel comic book imprint, and that's Double Take. Uh -huh. A little bit of a play on the words Take Two is Double of Take. Of course, yeah. Um, so obviously there's a massive promotion going on here. Uh, I, I want to know what that's about, but one of the reasons, obviously, and we just did a story about, about Double Take. It's at publishersweekly.com slash comics, folks, if you're interested in reading it. But uh, you've got a really unusual storytelling universe uh, and business model, so we'd love to know more about that. But so, yeah, what are we doing now? What's happening here on oh, the floor? Okay, so first things first, we're having a wonderful Comic-Con. Yeah. We decided that the best way to get people to start reading our stories is to give them a book for free. Yeah. So we've just given out our 10,000th book. Awesome. And you, we say give, you kind of have to win it. You have to spin yeah. the wheel to win one. You have to, you have to win in Blackjack. Sure. Some way or another, you win one. And so far, we've been having fun. People who came on Friday and won one free one, they're back to win one every day. So you'll see right. people with, with piles of double take books under their arms. That, feel, that feels great. Yeah, I'm sure it feels great. So, but the double take storytelling universe, though, is, is both really unusual and actually really familiar. <laughs> in well, some ways. Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> it's, it's familiar because in our universe, no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. You sure do pay for a little bit of fun. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is just sort of reliving a lot of the classic episodes in your life. Yes. So we've um, hired really good oral storytellers. from mm -hmm. Some of them uh, tell for the Moth Story Hour on yeah. National Public Radio. Some yes. of them tell mm -hmm. for StoryCorps. So really good people who tell real stories about real life are writing our comics with us. Mm -hmm. And then we're weaving in superheroes and zombies into mm -hmm. that universe. So you might read Dedication, which is set in a grocery store. Mm -hmm. If you've ever worked in service, George, the main character in the book, is just like your boss. And the, and the, the main characters, the kids in the book, are just like sure. you and your friends. Mm -hmm. So it feels very familiar because it's set in the real world. Sure. And it's nice and zombie and nice and superhero, yeah. so you have a little fun. But it's also based on a classic film that is, you know, very recognizable. They're right? the, the, the places, it's, it's based on Night of the Living Dead. Yes, and Calvin, thank you so much because I, <laughs> you know, sometimes you forget where you started. Where we started with was uh, the favorite movie of so many yes, people yes. in the office and so many of our artists and writers. We just sort of yes. love Night of the Living Dead. In fact, Jeff McComsey, our lead dialogue writer, mm -hmm. we were interviewing for the job. We said, Jeff, how many times have you seen Night of the Living Dead. There was this long pause, and under his breath, Jeff says, well, I think 40 times, but maybe more. So it was Easily. a wonderful springboard. Yes, and I, I, I know I've seen it at least 20. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't seen it at least once. Beautiful movie. Now, yeah. part of the charm of Night of the Living Dead is it accidentally fell into the public domain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there, there was a time that Halloween season networks would play 20 or 30 times over the Halloween season. Sure. Mm -hmm. Similar to uh, It's a Wonderful Life during the sure. Christmas season. So we thought, what a great springboard. So we started with Night of yeah. the Living Dead. But as you say, you know, it, it also 
you, you've introduced new elements. That's just the base of your storytelling. It, it's, it's, you take it in different directions. You take it to new situations, new characters. As you said, superheroes are coming. So it, it's like 10 series that sort of deal with different aspects of the classic film and new elements that you, uh, is that correct? That, that's, that's correct. Yeah. So when you start reading, you will see George Romero zombies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They look, taste, act, and smell, and eat humans just the same way. <laughs> but the more you look, you see that what you see is not all there is. Mm -hmm. That there's a lot more to the story and there's a lot more to the characters. So we try to do is really surprise you in every issue. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we very much surprise you and sometimes it's a little bit, but it's a constant surprise and a constant way to rethink what you've been thinking about for years with respect to zombies and supers. So maybe just, to, just I just want to bring up a couple of the series and maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. Sure. I mean, one of my favorites was Remote. Oh, good. So how does that, how does that plug into the uh, Double Take universe? So Remote started in part because we're all fans of media and mm -hmm. it started with a brilliant idea by a writer named Colin Mitchell that there was one dedicated person at a radio station who wrote out the zombie apocalypse so everybody could have important news. Sure. And the, and the character is named Samantha Staten, and the more we saw her in action, the more she came to life, and the more we let Samantha kind of tell us what she wanted to do. Mm. And she ultimately wants to become the queen of all media. Yeah. Mm. So we follow her from these very humble beginnings in a, as the bottom woman on the totem pole in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania yeah. Yeah. doing morning drive time news and, and yeah. weather. And she's going to move up by the time we hit the present day in 2016, mm -hmm. which is what's coming next. Mm -hmm. She will be the queen of all media. Interesting, very interesting. Uh, how about Soul? Because that seems to be involved with the classic ending uh, of the of uh, uh, Ben, the character. It's, right. It, yes. What you thought was the end of Ben. Yes. Doesn't quite turn out to be the end ah. of Ben. There's more there than what you've seen. All right. So. So uh, we give Ben a chance to come back to life and do it over and over again. We taught. We. This is sort of our Groundhog Day meets awesome. Night okay. of the Living Dead. All right. And and one other one that I that I also really got into, Z-Men. Z-Men was a personal labor of love. Uh, it's a book that is written uh, for the most part by Jeff McComsey and me, where Jeff does mm -hmm. most of the dialogue and sure, I do most of the plot. Because you're doing some of the writing as well. Yes, I I, uh, I try to not write dialogue because uh, <laughs> I think I think in pictures uh, way more mm -hmm. than I think in words. Uh, but Z-Men was a labor of love, and as you, if you get into the Z-Men graphic novel, you'll see. As you get to the third and fourth episode, we got very radical in the way we're using graphics to help tell the story. And I don't want to give too much away, but there's a point when you realize that you're sort of simultaneously following two character groups on the same page. It's pretty radical and pretty fun, and so far people have enjoyed it. The, the basic premise, though, is that LBJ, because this is all set in the 1960s, Thank you. has sent a couple of FBI agents to Evans County to see what's going on with this. Yes, it's a good point. It's actually a couple zombie of... Zombie apocalypse. <laughs> uh, LBJ in real life did not trust the FBI, nor right. did he trust mm -hmm. Edgar J. Hoover for good reason. Yes, absolutely. What he trusted was the Secret Service guys. Uh, okay, so he sends a couple out and says, bring me back a zombie. Yeah, yeah. And they're go. trying hard. They haven't gotten there one yet. Yeah, and they make some interesting discoveries. Yes. So, um, great. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about is, if we can just go on the business side a little bit, is, um, and we talked a little bit about... Uh, you know, what you're doing on the business side and for printing costs to be able to actually make this series really uh, attractive to retailers as well as consumers. Right. So I should I should give you a, your audience a bit of background on me. Sure, please do. So uh, I, I learned the entertainment business at the National Basketball Association from David J. Stern ah, well, and Gary Bettman. That's quite a pretty good... Um, just, 
Very education. really fun, difficult, brilliant people to sure. work for. And one of the things we learned is that free sampling is the most wonderful thing to mm -hmm. do. So a lot of what we started to do, you're hearing the Fans sound are getting excited. of people winning and losing at our wheel in the background. So a lot of what I learned at the National Basketball Association is there's nothing like free sampling to get people started. Great. So if you really believe in what you're doing, mm -hmm. and I, I ran the trading card business at the NBA, mm -hmm. I really believed in trading cards. So we gave up. We gave away 2.3 billion of them. Uh -huh. So our attitude at Double Take is to follow that model. We can't afford to physically print and give out that many comic books. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've created the first native mobile storyboard player. So cool. it's the first place ever that you can really have a good reading experience on your mobile phone. Great. So I suggest go to doubletakeuniverse.com. Absolutely free. You can read 30 comic books on your cell phone. Great. And so it's that sampling model over mm -hmm. and over again. Uh, the next thing we did on the retail side is we launched 10 books at a time in what we like to call the Big Bang. Yeah. <laughs> so you can go to your comic book shop and very inexpensively at $2 a book buy 10 comic books in waves. So the idea is get people as many comic books as they can for free and give them a fair price as they start to buy. Great, absolutely. So look, well this is all very exciting. Uh, the fans are, are still lined up. What's coming next? The, what we're seeing here is those 10 series now collected or curated into graphic novels, into book format comics. You've got the binge boxes coming up. Oh, You're goodness. carrying the business model into the book uh, trade as well, right? right? Uh, yes, uh, all of our graphic novels will be at, at bookstores. You can buy them individually. They're $10 each, which, which to a non-comic fan, $10 sounds like a lot. Uh, typically, comic graphic novels are $15, $20, $25. Dollars. So we're way low in price point. But the best thing we did is we took our zombie-oriented books. Again, we did 10 books. We took our really traditional zombie-oriented books and put them in a five-pack in a beautiful mm -hmm. slipcase. And uh, the other that are humor books, the other five, they're in another slipcase. And we call them binge boxes. Right, great. And for $40, you can get five graphic novels. So you get a great deal, and then you can really explore the Double Take universe. Right. You can really get a sense of all of the stories. And what you'll find is each individual book stands on its own, and then you read them together and your eyes pop because yeah. you realize that you're seeing that they're all tied together in a fun little universe. Great. So what, what's next? I know you got the, the series will be continuing, and I guess you're, gonna, you're introducing some new series as well? Yes, all ten, all 10 series will be continuing ultimately, but coming December, we're going to be shipping five brand new series, all of which are spin-offs from the existing series. The one that, the two that are the most fun so far are uh, 51, that wonderful queen of all media, Samantha Staten, grows to be 51 feet tall. Ah. Not 50, that's been done. Okay, <laughs> that's true. She's 51 feet <laughs> tall. Too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, right? Uh, right, exactly. And she'll be the queen of all media. Ah. Howard Stern fans will see some resemblance to the Howard Stern show, okay. but not so much that they'll be bored. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the other book is a complete surprise. It's called Behold. Mm -hmm. And it's the most fun superhero I book I've ever worked on, and I've worked on some fun yeah. superhero books. All right, well, this is awesome. Uh, Bill, look, this is a great, uh, the fans are still lining up here. Uh, I, I, listeners, I wish you could be here, but you can go out and get some uh, Double Takes books, and, and you'll get a piece of it. Anyway, Bill, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you, Calvin. This is fun. This is Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm at New York Comic Con interviewing Bill Fawcett. And uh, Bill is a senior advisor for Dragon Con, and he's going to tell us a little bit about the new Dragon Awards. Starting this year, 
we will have a full year of the new Dragon Awards. There are 15 categories of awards, two of which are graphic novel and comic. We did a short program last year that lasted less than six months, but we did come to a couple of winners, which are quite impressive. Ms. Marvel was the best comic book, according to our fans, and the best graphic novel was Sandman Overture. Can you tell us a little bit about how the uh, Dragon Awards work? And how they're awarded? This is a People's Choice Award. You don't have to attend anything. You don't have to pay anything. You simply go online to awards at dragoncon.org and register, and then you can vote. And we have a philosophy. We don't ask you to tell us who the best one was. We ask you to tell the most outstanding one you've seen. It's not a competition. Our idea is to let everybody know what everyone thinks is the really top-notch stuff that's outstanding, the ones you tell your friends to read. Okay, but how is that not a competition? That sounds like a competition to me. We don't release numbers. We don't tell who's winning at any point in time. We, we want it to be fan-driven and word-of-mouth, not numbers up on a board. So um, can you tell me like when the voting period is? Absolutely. The period of eligibility starts in July and ends in June of every year. Voting starts in October, so there's been a while for something to come out, and continues until the end of July. The end of, and then in August... Wait, wait, so it's from October of one year to the July of the next? Right, and that's the nomination period. Oh, that's the nomination period. And then the voting period for finalists is the month of August. Okay, great. And then we give the awards at DragonCon, obviously. Um, so the eligibility period for this coming year started in July and will be going through... The end until, of June. Until the end of June. And But the stuff that's going to be voted on this year is the stuff from last... As it comes out, you vote on it. Well, but for nominations. Nominations. You're right. Nominated. You can and nominate then, it during the same year it's coming out. Yes. yes. You nominate it when it comes out, and then you vote on it after it's all come out in August. Got it. Okay. Uh, I was Because, you know, different awards have very have different nomination before, yeah. periods. What we have done is we have set it up so that you can go up on the site mm -hmm. and only have to vote for one thing at a time or none at all. So you can vote for whatever it is you actually know about and then just leave and, out the categories you don't. Right, and when something comes out in a category that you haven't voted in yet, you can put it in any time during the year. So what inspired DragonCon to decide that they should have an award too? Basically, we looked around and there is no science fiction, movie, game, comic, book, People's Choice Award. Yeah, that's all like attendees it's or... all attend a convention or be part of a group. Mm -hmm. And we thought that fandom deserved the right, all of fandom deserved the right to nominate and vote for their favorite works. And since we are large and have that nice Labor Day date and can handle it, we decided that as a responsible part of fandom, we should perhaps bring the award out. Okay, great. Can you tell us a little bit about DragonCon? what it's like now, how long it's been around. I know you have a long history with it. Dragon Con, last convention, last Labor Day a few months ago was Dragon Con 30. 31 will be coming. Attendance is about 77,000. You wouldn't know it because we have over 5,000 events, so we generally aren't too crowded. It covers comics, games, literature, and all forms of media. There is a very large signing area, the Walk of Fame. 
I think probably the best way to describe it is we're a fan-driven convention. We're not sponsored by any big companies. We don't push the big movies. We don't have giant booths for various studios and things. We have what fans do in our dealer areas and things fans want to buy. Is it Dragon Con nonprofit? No, we are not nonprofit. We are a privately held corporation. Mm-hmm. We just put most of the money right back into the convention. No one takes a lot out. And we're almost all volunteer. I'm volunteer. Our entire staff is out here. We have 2,500 volunteers who help the convention come off, and they're wonderful people. We, we wouldn't be able to be there without them. It's Mardi Gras for nerds, <laughs> which is our unofficial motto. Yeah, I've been there, and it uh, takes over how many po- hotels in Atlanta now? Five and a half. Wow, that's plus, a lot. Plus, we have housing in about enough. We, now, let's be unsettled. There's 77,000 of us. We take over Atlanta. We fill the hotels out to the airport. But, I mean, there's programming in, like, five Programming hotels. in five hotels, always within a block or two of each other. And there literally are 5,000-plus programming events over the four-day period because it's over Labor Day. Yeah. So we start on Thursday and don't end until Monday. And so DragonCon, um, it, it also, it doesn't just have, like, panels and... Other things like that. Aren't there a lot of concerts and other types of events? We have a mass major concert track, and we mm-hmm. have three rooms that are just music. We constantly. We have five dress balls. We have band gatherings on every topic you can think of. We have movie premieres. We have regular movie showings. We have we have a room called the Armory that has the best collection of modern and antique weapons in the southeast for five days <laughs> and then goes away every year. Including this year they had AR number two, the AR fifteen number two, Stoner's prototype wow. on display there. It was very unusual. And we have everything our fans are interested in because they've asked us for it, we've made it happen, including children's programming. So, uh, any big stars from your comics programming this year? Stan Lee. Oh, Stan came. And a lot of others. Um, Yes, we have a major comic programming section. We have a major comic signing. We also have Comic Row, which is about the same size as this one, where we have a couple of hundred artists and authors who sign and show off their works. So... Comics are, are, it was actually founded by the owner of a comic store who owns it, Pat Henry. Mm-hmm. And we still keep a very strong comic orientation. We bring in a lot of artists. We have special comic art sections. And we have like five different tracks of comic programming that you can go to and listen to, meet, and ask questions of the people who work our industry. So it's sort of like several different conventions all in one place with one badge it's whatever our fans like smooshed together for four days with a lot of parties thank you so much my pleasure hi this is kate simmons and i'm an artist alley with fred van lente hey there uh yeah comic-con this year has been super awesome in fact i think crazier than past years uh the the locusts have come through and taken up all my stock so what books are you currently on well, at the moment, I'm doing Generation Zero for Valiant. Uh, shortly, I'll be doing Slapstick for Marvel. That comes out as an infinite comic on Comixology in a couple of weeks. It'll be out in print in December. And um, compared to other conventions, other years, how would you say you're doing? 
This has been very good. This has been very, very good. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, if there's one thing I haven't asked you that you would like to tell our listeners, what would it be? Well, if you're into comics history, uh, my longtime partner in crime, uh, Ryan Dunlavey, and I are doing a book called Comic History of Comics. We did it before as a black and white self-published comic, but IDW has brought it back in color. It'll be available in November. Uh, six issues, uh, being from the Yale Kid to today. We've got the prehistory of comics. We have uh, an entire section devoted to women in comics, every issue. Uh, it is super rad, super awesome. As I said, in four colors. Well, Thank you so much. Hi, this is Kate Fitzsimmons with Publishers Weekly Comic World. More to come. And uh, I'm here at New York Comic Con with Tony Tower of the Hero Initiative. Hey, so how was Hero Initiative's uh, New York Comic Con 2016? It was fantastic. Um, every year the Comic Con is bigger in New York, and every year it's better for us. Um, for the second year, we had Steve Dillon, co creator of Creature, which is a fantastic comic and now a TV show. He's been here for us for all four days. He's rarely in the States, so he's been the, the big draw, and we've raised a lot of money for comic creators in need. That's our, that's our mission. Um, the money we raise here, we're artists like Steve doing sketches and signing. We have some merchandise we publish that we sell, and we take straight up donations. Um, Comic book work, historically and currently, unfortunately, still is very much freelance. There's not uh, benefits and 401ks and such. We're a safety net, sadly, need a safety net for veteran creators in need. So the money we raised, we've almost a million dollars we've given out in aid over the 16 years we've been uh, in operation. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm in Artist Alley at New York Comic Con 2016 with. Ina, the artist of the webcomic-graphic novel Romeo X Julianne. Uh, Ina is one half of the comic-creating duo Marina. Hello. <laughs> hey, so can you tell us a little bit about your book? Um, oh, shoot. I wish the writer was here. She's better at this than me. Um, our book is based, It's loosely based on the classic Shakespeare play Romeo and Juliet only we put a modern twist on it um and calling it Romeo x Juliet and the x is for a kiss and our Juliet is actually a lovely boy who likes to cross dress or cross play or drag as a in female clothing and female especially uh renaissance female renaissance clothes um the so it's set at Ren Fairs, isn't it it is set at Renfair, so they have the Capulet family actually has an expensive uh, tracts of land, rather large tracts of land, uh, dedicated to um, their own family-run Renaissance fair. Um, and so that is a majority uh, so far of the story has taken place there. Uh, enter Romeo, dragged there by his cousin Benny, um, comes upon... Dear Julian, kisses, quote-unquote, her, and when he discovers that the she is actually a he, plot ensues. The plot ensues, yes. He kissed a boy, and he liked it. So how was your New York Comic Con 2016? Ah, mixed feelings about it, only because this is our first time behind the table. We're usually either attending or working with uh, exhibitors in the exhibitor hall um, and we actually do run conventions so we know how stressful it can be and whatnot and this isn't my first time running 
or work uh, working a table in artist in an artist alley. Um, but it was kind of slow. Um, we didn't make the sales that we thought we could, but we understand that yes, it, it, we're new to the scene as far as this big giant scene. Um, I actually my background is was in publishing. I, I don't know how much <laughs> how much I, inform, information I can give on myself. I understand because you know it's I'm working with a pen name. I got it. And I don't know. So that's fine. You can leave yeah. it there. Okay. Um, so I guess my question is, uh, you're saying that sometimes you help run some conventions. What conventions would those be? Uh, we, well, I'm part of an organization called um, Fantastic Gatherings Incorporated. And we actually help to run um, or assist in running um, conventions locally in the New England area. Because we're originally from the Boston area. So what conventions do you run? Uh, one one convention that we run is um, Nauticon, mm -hmm. which is N-A-U-T-I-C-O-N. It's not a con like you know it. Plus, it's a nautical theme. And it can be naughty but not nasty. Because it's 21, uh, we can get away with a little bit more. Um, it's a much more relaxed uh, convention. You have a little drink in your hand while you're doing a panel. Um, it's the, the, con, the con is rather small. It's the top, the most we'll have is about 900 people. Um, we've been averaging about 300. Um, in, in, it's located in uh, Provincetown, Mass. So good old P-Town as it's um, fondly referred to. Gay Mecca of the U.S. But it was originally an artist colony, so we're trying to bring that kind of into it. Great. And um, if there's anything you can tell our listeners that I haven't asked you that you would love to share with us. Um, buy our book. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also uh, online as a webcomic. What's the address for that? Um, well, we have several, but um, the easiest way to find our current webcomic is RomeoXJulien.com. That's the easiest way, or just Yowie.com. Those are the two easiest ones to follow. Thank you. You're welcome. You have a great con. You Hi, this is Kate Fitzsimmons, and I'm at New York Comic Con with James Tiny in the Fourth. Hey, how's it going? So, how has your New York Comic Con 2016 been? Oh, it's been great. I mean, I, I always love the show. It's like one. Of, it's one of the biggest show uh, comic conventions in the country, and uh, just coming face to face with uh, so many amazing fans and so many people excited about uh, this medium and everything. It's just, uh, it, it's really thrilling and, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier. So how were sales this year compared to other shows or other years? Oh boy, I mean, uh, honestly, people come here uh, looking looking to buy stuff and uh, I'm happy to provide stuff for them to buy. <laughs> so it's it, it's been good. So what books are you currently on? Uh, I write detective comics for DC Comics and uh, as well, I wrote the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. I also do a number of projects for Boom Studios, including The Woods, uh, The Backstagers, and Mimetic. And if you have uh, one thing that I haven't asked that you would like to share with our listeners, what would it be? Uh, you know, my comics are pretty good, and they should buy them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
people from going back and forth 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 back and